Well, we are continuing to think about discipline this week. If you were with us last week and you had a handout from last week, we will just be continuing that. If you were not with us last week, there's some handouts on your table that have uh, a decent amount filled in um, that you can grab as well to follow along. Um, You know, as we talked the very first week, parenting is not one segmented part of life. We can't just say, oh, I want to be a good parent, so all I'm going to think about is parenting. We have to recognize that it flows from loving Christ and living for Christ in all of life, and then we can be faithful as parents. And and yet we do need to think about what the Bible specifically says about how to parent. And so Ephesians 6.4 gives us those tools when it says that we are to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so we've been thinking about the first of those tools that of discipline, of, of training our children. And, and as we said last time, there's really two aspects to that discipline. There's corrective discipline, which is often what we think about, which is you do something wrong and there's some consequence for that. You know, your kids disobey and as a result of that, there is discipline. There's also more formative training. So it's not that they did something wrong, it's that you are wanting to shape them and help them to grow and mature and think rightly in various ways. And, and so more of that formative training, both of which fall under this category of discipline. You know, last time we started by thinking about just some, some various realities that should frame how we think about discipline. And we said that our discipline should be shaped by the nature of our children. The fact that they are made in the image of God. Somebody tell me, why, what difference does that make in our discipline, the fact that our kids are made in the image of God? You can go quickly and be bold, speak up. Yeah, so we're going to respect them. We're going to, to not discipline in a way that is humiliating to them. We want to honor them as, as an image bearer of God. Good. How about the fact that they will exist for all of eternity? How does that shape or affect our thinking about discipline? Yeah, it's important. It's not just about this life. It has eternal consequences, and so we can't neglect that. And the fact that they are sinners. Okay, yeah, so we can be compassionate. We're all sinners. We have a, an understanding of what they're facing. What else? Yeah, it, it's not an option just to say, we're going to just let you go. Because the, the course that they will take is going to be one of sin and folly and foolishness. And so we need to understand those things, and that shapes how we think about discipline. We saw, secondly, that our discipline must be shaped by God's discipline of his children. You know, as parents, we, we get to represent God to our kids in some way. We should reflect God to them. We also get to re- reflect a child of God to them. We are sinners ourselves. And so our discipline should be shaped by how God disciplines his children. And we saw that God disciplines his children out of the relationship that he has. He's a loving father and authority. And so our relationship with our kids should be one that is like that, a relationship of love. Discipline is not the only thing that shows we love our children. There's many other things. And as an authority, it's right that parents view themselves as an authority over their children. We saw who is disciplined by God. He disciplines every one of his children whom he loves. It's not true that I love you too much so I won't discipline you. 
Now, God says discipline is an expression of love for every child. Why does God discipline his sons or his children? It's for their good and maturity as preparation for the future. God has a long-term view, and he is shaping uh, our character in preparation for the future, ultimately the future with him. And what are the specific goals of God's discipline? There are many, but essentially that we would obey him to come underneath his authority, trusting and respecting him with humility, and, and that we would be like him, that we would share in his holiness, Deuteronomy 12 reminded us. And what, what are the means of God's discipline? Well, it's, it's a variety of things from teaching and instruction to rules and consequences and rewards to circumstances that shape and develop and test character, even provision, what God gives and withholding what he keeps us from. And so God uses a variety of things to shape his children and how, how does God discipline? Well, he's, what are the characteristics of his discipline? He does it with patience and with consistency, with an intentionality. He doesn't fly off the cuff and, you know, and, uh, in a way that is harsh, but he is intentional to seek to discipline us well. And so we have to ask ourselves, how does our relationship with our children reflect God's relationship with his? Are, are we reflecting his character, his love, the, the right authority that we should have? Are we reflecting his patience and, and his uh, consistency in those things? You have to think about what are we preparing our children for? Not just the next grade in school, not just their driver's license, not just to, to hopefully get a job one day, but we are seeking to prepare them for the same things that, that God's heart is, which is to have character that reflects him in preparation for a life of serving him and a, hopefully an eternity with him. And what are our specific goals for our children in light of this? What should we desire to see in them? And how are we going to train and discipline them to that end? So our discipline must be shaped by the nature of our kids, by the discipline that God has of his children. And then a third reality we began last time was that our discipline must be shaped by the warnings and exhortations of Scripture. God gives specific instructions to us, specific warnings about how we should think about discipline. And we saw first, one of those warnings is to not neglect discipline when your children are young. We looked at Proverbs 18 and, or Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. The, the importance of the season of life when our kids are younger to seek to shape them, to seek to, to direct their hearts. Not that we will see all the fruit of that discipline at that time, but it is vital that we are being faithful when our children are young. And it doesn't mean there's no hope if we have not been as faithful as we desired to be, if we have not been as faithful as we look back and say, ah, oh, I wish I'd have known this years ago, uh, but we want to be faithful in, um, in that. A uh, second warning is to not discipline in a way that provokes your children to anger. Scripture warns against provoking our children, and, and oftentimes it's the context of discipline or the standards that we have for our kids that we provoke them, that we are, are making it difficult for them to respond to us because we're being harsh or excessively unreasonable or we're, we're being selfish in the use of our authority or arbitrary between our kids or the lack of consistency even uh, in how we treat our children. And then we ended just briefly by a third exhortation that Scripture gives, which is to recognize that 
The rod is the primary means God has given you to discipline your children. Now, it, it is important to note there that uh, I said it is the primary means. It's not the only means. As we've seen, God uses a variety of means of discipline with his children. Uh, there is more to discipline than this, but this is a key part of it and a part that is emphasized in Scripture. I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs, and we're just going to walk through a number of verses, some of which we've already looked at, that direct us in this way. You know, this phrase, the rod, certainly is a, uh, a clear picture of physical discipline for a child. It also can be used as a, a metaphor for discipline generally, but there's a reason that picture is used. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 13. It says this, On the lips of the discerning, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding. Again, it's very clear what the metaphor is, that is or the picture that is being used. Um, this is of physical discipline, of, of a, a spanking, of a swat. Proverbs 13.24 says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Again, you see that parallel, withholding the rod is, is compared uh, to not disciplining. And again, this flows from a love that we are to have for our children. Proverbs 22.15 We've already looked at this text before. It's, it's that one that says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Our kids, as we've mentioned, are on a path of foolishness, ultimately one that will lead to uh, destruction and to eternal consequences if they do not repent. And, and this proverb says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of discipline is a, a primary means God has given for driving that foolishness from them. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 says, Do not hold back discipline from the child, although you strike him with the rod. Again, clearly physical discipline. He will die. He will not die, sorry. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Important little word there. Um, glad you're paying attention. Uh, so you, you strike him with the rod, he will not die. What's the implication? What, what, why would anybody think that? Well, it's because that's sometimes how your children respond to physical discipline, as though they may die, um, and, and because there's that, that tension in, in the parent's mind of, I don't want to harm my child, uh, and so these proverbs are shaping our thinking to say, no, that's a, it's not a harmful thing to them, it's actually a helpful thing to them. You are seeking to rescue them. It's an expression of your love and desire to care for them. Proverbs 26.3, again, just, just puts the, the context of this um, in, in how we are doing this and, and what that looks like. It says, a whip is for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. It's, it's, it's the, the, the way that we seek to train and direct those who otherwise would be foolish. Proverbs 
It says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. That's, that's the two different courses. A child gets their own way. What's the long-term fruit of that? It's they bring shame to their mother because they're living a life of folly. The rod and the reproof, on the other hand, give wisdom. What's the long-term result of that? A life of wisdom. Again, these Proverbs are principles. They are not promises and guarantees. You can undoubtedly think of someone who was faithful as a parent, trained their kids, instructed their kids, disciplined their kids, and their kids rejected that and lived a life of foolishness anyway. You can think of people, maybe yourself, who your parent, who parents didn't do that as faithfully as they could, and yet God in his grace led them on a path of wisdom. So it's not that this is an ironclad guarantee, but the, this is instruction for how God exhorts us to think about parenting and how he exhorts us to approach training the next generation. Well, what is this rod that we that the scriptures speak of Ted Tripp in his book shepherding a child's heart I think this quote is on your handout there says this he says the rod is apparent in faith toward God and faithfulness toward his or her children undertaking the responsibility of careful timely measured and controlled use of a physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. So that's a very helpful definition to help us think about not only what we mean by this, the controlled use of physical punishment, but the, the heart behind it, the reason for this, and the way that it is to be expressed. Well, I want us to, to think a little bit about this in, in, uh, and then talk about what this might look like in in practice. You know, why is it that people don't use the rod of discipline? Why are people opposed to the use of physical punishment in the life of their kids? You know, obviously, if you look at the, the perspective of the world on this issue, it has varied widely over history. You know, if you f- rewound, you know, 50 years, you know, what did teachers have in their classroom? Well, they had a paddle and they were ready to, ready to swat. You know, fast forward now and the, the perspective of the world is vastly different in, lo- in most cir- um, circles regarding that. And so you can find all kinds of reasons why people would say you shouldn't utilize physical discipline. And obviously some of that is a right response to the misuse or a, a response to the misuse of physical discipline. So what what we're saying here is not that any physical discipline is always good and right. There's wrong ways to do it, okay? And so there's been a reaction to that, but we have to be careful that we allow God's word to shape our thinking, not the mindset of our age. So some think, you know, if I love my kids, I wouldn't want to do that because it it hurts them. Well, Scripture clearly says, no, you love your child, you will be willing to discipline them. Some think that, you know, it, it teaches them to hit. Well, hopefully we're doing it in a way that is very different than hitting someone. Some think, you know, it could be emotionally scarring to them to think of their parent doing this. Again, the manner in which we do this is vitally important. Some think it might repress their personality or their creativity or, or that it, it just doesn't work. You know, sometimes we're looking for immediate reactions or response and our thought is, well, this is not, um, 
this is not bearing fruit, and so what's the point? And it could be that it's because we're not being consistent or effective. It could be that we just need to be faithful long-term to, to see uh, God work in those ways. You know, there's lots of reasons why people choose not to do this. Ultimately, we have to decide who are we going to trust and how are we going to function as parents. The world's wisdom on parenting ebbs and flows. <laughs> what the world says is important today may or may not be what the world says is important you know, uh, a number of years from now, but God's word is unchanging and we want to cling in faith to the truth that it teaches. Now, why this as opposed to other forms of discipline? Well, in a sense, we could say we spank our kids, we use physical discipline with our kids in faith. Because God says the rod of discipline is the means of driving foolishness out of the heart of a child. We don't have to understand why to obey. You understand this. God says something, we say yes. But God is not arbitrary in what he commands us to do. God doesn't just give us random tests like, oh, you should wear purple on Tuesday and I'll see if you obey. No, he's wise in what he gives us. And so there's a very real sense in which this means of discipline provides some very clear benefits as opposed to other methods of discipline. You know, think about it. If you, if you don't spank your children, if you don't discipline that way, what are some other forms of discipline you might use? Well, things like time out, you need to go sit on that chair for a period of time or go to your bedroom, maybe the withholding of privileges or possessions, I'm going to take this away from you, I'm going to um, not let you use this. Uh, and again, those can be appropriate at various seasons and there, there's a reasonable use of, of those things, but those have several practical challenges to them. You know, think about it, most of those drag out the time of discipline, which can lead to bitterness, you know, I think of, you know, our kids are older, and so some of these become more reasonable things as your kids age, um, but, you know, if somebody, if you tell somebody you can't play video games for the rest of the day, or you can't play on the, on the iPad for the rest of the day, you can't do certain things, it oftentimes uh, fosters that, uh, a response of bitterness where it's difficult to maintain the kind of relationship that you want with your child. Um, physical discipline is, is quick, and it's over, and it allows restoration in that way. Some other forms of discipline require obedience to fulfill the discipline. If you tell your child, go to your room, and they say no, you're like, hmm, okay, now what? Um, go to your room and stay there longer, but you wouldn't stay there in the first place. You say, sit on that chair for five minutes, and two minutes later, they come walking by, and you're like, oh, now you have to go sit on the, room, on the chair for ten minutes, uh, but you wouldn't do five, so I'm not sure how we're going to get you to do ten. And so there's, there, they can require some compliance even in the act of discipline. Some kids don't care about those other things. If you, if you tell some of my kids, hey, go to your room, they're like, sweet, I, I get to go hang out by myself. I don't have to unload the dishwasher. I don't have to do other things. So like the, the discipline can be something that is not a, a big deal to them. Spanking is, a, is a really a beautiful thing as it relates to discipline. It's quick. There is a clear resolution and reconciliation. It is painful for all children. Different ones respond differently to it in, in those ways. But it is a, a fruitful means, and that is why God says this should be the primary means God has given to discipline our children. 
Does that mean you can never use other forms of discipline or consequences? Absolutely not. God uses a variety and you can too. Again, particularly as your kids age, it, it becomes um, more, um, uh, the, the, the discipline that we're going to use becomes more varied. I think particularly if you have very rebellious children, you have to get more creative in some of what that discipline can look like. But you have to think through what you are going to use and the implications of that discipline before you seek to implement it. You know, so often we want to discipline our kids because we have been hurt or something has been done that we are upset about and it becomes more just about punishing them than correcting them. We have to be careful. We have to think about the relationship, the implications for the relationship uh, going forward and, and other options for how that could be. And, and we're all prone to threaten things in the heat of the moment that we will regret. And we put ourselves in a position of either I'm going to follow through on my word and do something that's probably not real helpful or I'm going to not follow through on my word and I'm going to teach you that I, I don't mean what I say. You know, when we say, you know, I'm going to ground you for the next uh, six months, you're never going to have ice cream again for the rest of your life, you know, those are not helpful things to threaten in the course of discipline. So we can use other forms. There, there are, are, are right things that we can do besides this, but this should be a primary means. So when should I use the rod? When, when is it appropriate to discipline your children and to use physical discipline as a means of that? Well, the, the short answer is when your child does not obey. Ted Tripp defines it as not obeying without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. You understand, obedience means doing what you are told, and it means doing what you are told without um, delaying, without fighting against that, without questioning that. And doesn't mean there can't be a conversation, doesn't mean there can't be some interaction, and especially as your kids age, but we are to be training our children, as Genesis, or Ephesians 6.1 says, to obey your parents. To say, when my parents ask me to do something, I recognize that as coming from God, because God said, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And so my immediate reaction to that should be, because I trust God and desire to obey Him, I will, desire, I will obey my parents. When we tell our toddler to come, we expect that they would come. When we ask our toddler to stop, we expect that they would stop. When we ask our older child to go clean their room, we don't expect them to stop along the way and do 14 other things. Uh, we expect them to go and clean their room doesn't mean that, again, we can't help and train. We'll talk more about that. But we should expect them to obey right away and to do it without excuse. Don't get in the habit of training your kids to respond at another level other than the first time you say it to them. We all do this. We can get in the habit of raising our voice, of repeating ourselves, of kind of manipulating, you know, I'm going to count to three and if you don't come here... You know, children are trained to respond, and the Bible calls us to train them to respond the first time. When they're younger, we can help model obedience by leading them away from what we ask them not to touch or do, but we want to train them that when I talk to you in a normal voice the first time, the expectation is that you will obey. 
Again, it's easy as parents to foster training them other than that. So your kids know, you know, if you say, um, you know, if I'm, I'm talking to one of my girls, no, Ashton, please unload the dishwasher. Um, and she knows you don't really mean it at that point. Like, you're saying it, but nah, there's, there's, I got like another five minutes that I can do what I want. You know, and then it's like, Ashton, I said unload the dishwasher, and she's like, okay, we're, we're getting there, but I still don't have to do it yet. And then it's like, Ashton, what did I tell you? Go unload the dishwasher. And she's like, almost there, almost need to, to respond. And then it's like that last level, you know, it's like, if you don't unload the dishwasher, then... Uh, you know, it's like, well, what have I just, I've trained her by my reactions to her that you got like five minutes to keep doing whatever you want, and then it'll be serious go time for, for doing what I've asked you to do. Well, I might as well train her that the first time when I ask you to do that, it's right and appropriate that you respond immediately in that way. Again, doesn't mean she can't say, Dad, I'm in the middle of, a, of, a, of finishing up my math. Is it okay if I do that in, in, uh, in five minutes when I'm done? You bet, absolutely. But that shows a heart that is eager to do what she's been asked to do. Um, and I'm not training her to respond after, you know, counting to three or five or ten or raising my voice a certain level or threatening it certain ways. We want to train our kids to respond the first time. And it's reasonable that we help them to get there. Now, you may be sitting here and thinking, um, that's, that's not how I've trained my kids. That, that we, I do have this escalating pattern of trying to get them to obey. And, and you have to own the fact that you've contributed to that in them. So if you go home today and you're like, all right, now it's first time obedience. Well, you've got to be patient with them and help them to understand what's different and to work with them in, to get there because you've contributed to their response. But it's right that you go have a conversation with them and say, you know what? I haven't expected you to respond right away in a normal voice. And that's, that's not been helpful on my part. I want to help you respond in those ways. So when should we use the rod of discipline? When our children do not obey. And, and we'll, we'll talk a little more about this, but this is important to, to understand, especially when your kids are young, that's really the time that you are going to discipline them is when they do not obey you, what you are telling them to do. It's not all the other stuff that they do that bugs you, it's not all, you know, the, all the house rules that they might break. No, you're training them primarily to obey you. So if they are fighting with a sibling, you don't necessarily, and they're young, you don't necessarily discipline because you were fighting with a sibling. You discipline them because when you said stop, they didn't stop because you're training them how to interact with that sibling. Uh, again, it, once they understand things and are older, now you can start broadening that. But when they're young, it's really about you need to obey your parents. You need to obey. Well, when should I not use the rod of discipline? Well, when we are angry or frustrated, even when it would otherwise be appropriate, we should not. If you're hot, you're upset, even if your child disobeyed you clearly, you need to deal with your own heart first. You don't use the rod of discipline for instances of childishness. Somebody tell me, what's something kids do because they're kids, not because they are sinfully rebellious? That can bug you as a parent. Yeah. What else? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, they, uh, they're quick to make excuses. What else? Kids ever spill anything? Make messes? Yeah, maybe they don't do things as well as you hope they will long term when you ask them to do something. Yeah, there, there's all kinds of things kids do because they're kids, because they're curious. They oh, you, you know, wanted to see what happened when mix these two things together and, ah, oh, you did that. You know, so it's not childishness, it's foolishness that we want to, um, want to discipline. So if it's just childishness, that's okay. If it's an accident, if it's clumsiness, if your child thinks the worst thing they can do is to spill their milk, something is wrong. Again, there's a difference between a child who um, spills his sippy cup and it a little bit dribbles out accidentally and a child who is looking at you and taking their sippy cup and going, and you're saying, no, stop, and they look at you and they smile and they go, and they shake it out. That, that's disop- that's, that's a, uh, a disobedience. But a child knocking over their cup accidentally and spilling it is childishness. We don't want a discipline for that. We also don't want a discipline for the inability or lack of understanding. So if your child genuinely doesn't understand what you're asking them to do, or genuinely is not able to do what you're asking them to do, you don't want to discipline them. That's not what we're training them for. If you ask your two-year-old to do something, and they stare at you, it's possible that they don't know what you're asking them to do. And you need to help them. Maybe you show them, you model for them. It's possible that if you ask your child to do something, especially as they are growing older, that they may not have the capacity to do it. Again, an extreme example, if I tell my two-year-old to go, uh, go make your bed and they stare at me like, I don't know, you know, that may be more of an issue of ability and understanding. Now, if you say, come help me make the bed, hand me that pillow, and they are unwilling to do that, that's a different issue. So we need to be careful that we are not overusing the rod of discipline in situations where it would not be appropriate, but that we are faithfully using it when there is clear disobedience in our child. So what what should this look like? How should I use the rod? Let me give you a suggested model of a wise gospel-centered spanking. And I use that wording intentionally because the Bible doesn't give us uh, every specific um, command or specific commands of exactly what this would look like. But I think we can take the principles of Scripture and we can um, work to think intentionally about how to do this well. So the first step is to consider if discipline is needed and can be appropriately administered. That starts with that question, was there a clear act of disobedience? If you can't identify the clear act of disobedience, then it's likely that discipline is not appropriate at that time. You need to ask yourself things about yourself. Am I angry? If I am, I need to deal with my own heart first. Am I most offended at how their sin affected me or how it offends God? If I'm just mad that my kids disrespected me, and my concern is not their heart before God, I'm not yet ready to discipline them well. I've made it all about me, and that is a dangerous place to be. Am I able to administer discipline without humiliation? We've talked about how kids are made in the image of God, and so if I can't discipline them in a way that is still respecting them and and showing honor to them as an image bearer of God, I need to be very careful and Am I prepared to direct them to the hope of the gospel? Am I prepared to forgive them if their sin was against me? 
Again, we just need to get in the habit of par- as parents of slowing down enough so that we don't just run recklessly into discipline when we find ourselves personally upset and offended, but that we are intentionally thinking about when we will discipline our child. So consider if discipline is needed and can be appropriately administered, A second step is to pick an instrument, something that you will use. What will the rod be for your discipline? I would suggest that you want something that stings pretty badly without bruising, without harming. Your goal is not to hurt your child, to physically harm them. Your goal is to inflict pain so that they understand the consequences of sin. Something like a, a plastic paddle. We used to use those, uh, you remember those little things that had a rubber ball on the end and you bing, 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 bing. Those little plastic paddles. Um, those worked well when, with, uh, with our children. Uh, something that is flexible but firm. We used uh, even like fish tank tubing was something that we could make a little thing, a uh, little loop out of to, to use when our children were younger and then we could have lots of them um, around in different locations that were, uh, that were private and helpful. It's, it's probably best not to use your hand. There's a reason why the scriptures talk about the rod of discipline as something other than our hand. Why, why is that? Well, I think part of that is it, it, it allows you to choose something that will be um, effective in the discipline, but it also forces you to be patient, It's not a bad thing for you to have to walk somewhere where you have an instrument that you're going to use to a private location instead of being in the habit of disciplining your kids with your hand where you can do that anywhere. Um, It forces you to be patient. It gives you time to to go through that mental checklist that I just talked about. Am I angry? Uh, Was there clear disobedience? What was that clear disobedience? To calm yourself down to be able to handle that discipline in a way that is effective. So pick an instrument, pick a location, somewhere that is private, perhaps a, a bathroom or a, another place that is, uh, is going to uh, allow you to be focused on that child. This is not, again, for public humiliation. This is a, a, a private act between the parent and the child. Then we want to point out the clear issue of disobedience and the consequences. We should be able to point out the clear issue of disobedience. It shouldn't be, I'm really frustrated with you right now. It should be, I told you to do this, and you did not do it. You you did not act in a way that was obedient to me. And you should be able to give the clear consequences. Tell them how many spankings they're going to receive. Because you disobeyed, because you lied, because you did not honor me, you will receive one spanking, two spankings, three spankings, whatever that is. You want them to know you are in control, you are self-controlled. It's not I'm going to spank you until I feel better. (laughs) It's I'm intentionally uh, going to discipline you. Ideally, you want to wait for them to receive the spanking as a demonstration of their obedience and contrition. Um, Proverbs 15.5, a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he regards reproof as sensible. Proverbs 15.10, a, a grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. So part of what you're training your children in is not simply to obey, but it's to receive correction. 
And so if your child refuses to receive correction and discipline, there may be additional consequences. They may receive an, a, an additional slot for, for that, uh, that attitude and, and for not receiving it. And then you want to administer the discipline. You know, if it's a, a, a somebody, a, a toddler who's um, you know, got a, a diaper on, you know, that fat part of the back of the leg is a beautiful place for discipline. Um, it, where you cannot not physically harm them, but it can hurt. You know, oftentimes if you're using the right instrument, you, you may not need to spank on bare skin. That may depend on your, your child and their particular pain tolerance. Again, your goal is to inflict pain, not injury, and uh, to help the child to understand the, and to associate the consequences of sin and disobedience. Oftentimes the child will cry, hold them till they're done crying, and then you want to talk to them. You want to converse with them. You don't want their to, them to feel like this is all about you punishing them. This is you training and correcting them. Use Scripture when possible. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. It's very helpful to have memorized Scripture. It's a little rough, you know, as you're spanking your child to pull out your Bible. Not rough, but it can be difficult to pull out your Bible and find something. But if you have God's Word in your head or you have God's word on the wall in that location that you are disciplining them or, or tools there to help you uh, with that. Again, you want to work towards the gospel. We'll talk more about that. Do you know why you did that? Why didn't you obey daddy? Well, it's because you have a sinful heart and, and because you want to do what you want to do instead of what God says. And it's God who says that we are to obey we all disobey. Daddy disobeys too. It's why we need Christ and, and God is gracious and He offers us forgiveness. We want to converse with them. We want to see in that reconciliation if they've sinned against us. We want to encourage them to respond in repentance, to ask forgiveness, to forgive them, to hug, to be reconciled, possibly to pray with them. That is the goal of that discipline. Now you, you might say that, that looks like it takes a long time. That's a long interaction, and, and I'm not saying you have to do all of that fully developed every time, but discipline done well does take time. And you want to establish patterns when your children are young that will continue to grow as they get older. So if you have a two-year-old, your conversation with them may not be real long because of their attention span and because of the level of interaction you can have, but you're setting the tone for how you're going to continue that relationship as they get older. So then, as you, as you leave that, that uh, moment of private uh, time of discipline, uh, ideally you want to have them make it right or obey. If they did not go pick up their toy, and that's why they were disciplined, you want to take them out, you want to lead them to go pick up that toy, and, and hopefully to obey. Now, there can be times where your child is, is hard-hearted, and where you continuing to fight that battle with them may not be helpful, or it may result in, you know, lots and lots and lots and lots of ongoing discipline. And so you may choose not to have them go do that again. But ideally, if they've wronged someone else, you want them to go and, and, uh, and to talk to that person. If they have not obeyed, you want them to go obey. And then be reconciled in your relationship. By that, I mean you should treat them the same way you were treating them before the sin happened. That's why we discipline this way. It's there's no long-term change in our relationship. The discipline is done, and now we are moving forward together. 
If we were going to go throw a ball around the front yard or we were going to go have an Oreo for dessert, the discipline is done and we continue to love and interact in the same manner that we would have otherwise. I'm not going to treat you as though you've disappointed me. I'm not going to treat you in any way that would be different. Um, I'm going to be reconciled. That's the picture of God's forgiveness for us. Again, doesn't mean there can't be ongoing consequences, especially as your kids age, but relationally, we should not harbor bitterness towards our kids. We should not be angry with them or impatient with them. We should be reconciled to them. So that is a a suggested model of a wise, gospel-centered parenting. You know, if they won't receive the discipline, as I mentioned, there can be additional consequences. Um, uh, If they... As they get older, obviously it's appropriate to transition to other forms of discipline and natural consequences. I have five daughters. Uh, My oldest is 19. My youngest is 12. Um, I'd have to brainstorm with Christy to remember the last time we used physical discipline uh, with one of our, our children. The last time that I did, I don't remember when that was. It's been a while. And that's, that's right. You know, as I think as our girls have grown, uh, there are other means of discipline. So it's not that, again, this is all we use, but this was, and, and rightly so, the, defi- the, the primary means of discipline in our home for many, many years as our kids were young, seeking to shape and train them. So it's okay to use other forms of discipline. It's also okay to be training in in rewards and blessings, but we want to be careful that we are not simply manipulating our kids to have proper outward behavior, but that we are shaping and directing their hearts to respect and honor the Lord. So our discipline must be shaped by the Warnings and exhortations of Scripture, including the, the, the use of the rod as a primary means of discipline. Uh, a fourth reality, and we'll leave some time at the end for discussion uh, questions as we, uh, as we uh, conclude, but I, I want us to think, uh, and this, this leads from the physical discipline to other means of discipline, that your discipline must be shaped by the age and condition of your children. When you think of the goal with your kids, it's an amen from the child back there. He's like, that's right. Um, so as you think about your kids growing older and, uh, and what that looks like as a parent, I think we need to recognize, or we, the, the Bible helps us to think about the fact that the goal is to transition from parental discipline ultimately to self-discipline under the, the, um, the authority of the Lord. That's one reason why it's really important that we help our kids understand children obeying your parents is not primarily about parents and kids. It's primarily about God and kids because eventually that parent part kind of comes out and now it's just about God and kids. So in some ways, nothing has changed as your kids get older. They are still under God's authority But in some ways, a lot has changed because that authority is no longer primarily flowing through the parents. So when when your child is three, the primary biblical command that they are to be focused on is, I need to obey my parents. And parents use that authority to train them in all kinds of other ways. Eventually, they get to the point where it's like, okay, no longer are my parents telling me what to do or not do. 
I am now seeking to live under the uh, authority of God's word and, and to exercise self-control and self-discipline. So you understand you will not always be with your kids. You can't always be the one shaping what they do and don't do. You are shaping what they do and don't do, preparing them for that time when now they are deciding what they will do or not do. So our goal is to transition ultimately from parental discipline to self-discipline. And this is related to a, a second idea that we see in Scripture, which is the relationship between our authority and our influence as parents. Ted Tripp puts uh, a diagram in, in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, which, by the way, if you haven't read, uh, would strongly encourage you. It fleshes out these things and more in some very helpful ways. Um, but this is just a, a little line graph. If you never liked line graphs, sorry, but I think it's, it's, it's helpful. Um, the bottom is the age of your child, so from zero to age 18, which is kind of the, the normal end target for parenting, although we still parent well after that, and your kids may be in your home for a long time after that. But that at, when they're young, you have very little influence over your children, and yet you have lots of authority. So what what... What we would mean by that biblically is like, how, how much can you talk to and reason with your six-month-old? Not, I mean, you can, you can do a little bit. You can talk to them. You can get in the habit of singing with them. So your influence is pretty limited. Your authority, on the other hand, is, is at a high level. If you want to take that six-month-old somewhere... It's pretty simple. You take them, you pick them up, you stick them in a, a car seat, you strap them in, and you take them wherever. They have very little opportunity to, to, to keep you from uh, having them do what they want. As your kids age, it, it, it kind of, those things change to the point at which my 18-year-old, if I want my 18-year-old to go somewhere or do something, I have a lot of opportunity for influence. I can talk to them, I can reason with them, I can dialogue with them about it. There's lots of opportunity to shape how they think about that. My authority, my ability to force them to do things to some degree is lessened. I can't pick up my 18-year-old anymore, I mean I maybe could, and strap them into the car and drag them somewhere. That, that's different. And so as we parent... The, the ability to kind of require certain things of our children, to force them to do certain things, is, is ideally lessening, and the influence is increasing. Again, it's not always perfectly like this. doesn't mean you don't discipline older kids, but the goal is you are transitioning from, I am the authority telling you what to do, to I am influencing you so that you are thinking in a godly way and making decisions that reflect what is consistent with God's word. A lot of times as parents, we either try to just influence our kids when they're younger. We try to tell them, you know, our two-year-old, why it's better for you to eat the Cheerios and not the Lucky Charms. And we dialogue and we try to shape their thinking and they're like, don't care, want the marshmallows, you know, and we spend our time trying to influence when what we should be doing is saying, you're going to eat this. And then we, but oftentimes we don't adjust as our kids get older and that same ability to try to have an, be an authority over them, we don't ever transition to influence. 
We'll talk more about this next week as we think about instruction. Some of what that means is, is we begin to seek to draw our kids' heart out more. and we, we ask them questions and we want to get them talking as they get older more than we just want to be talking. But this is an important reality for us to, to recognize and think about. Ultimately, this leads to what Genesis 2 says, which is your children leaving your home. That's the goal. The goal is not, I want to always be the one helping my kids make every decision and knowing what they should do in every circumstance. No. The goal is, I want to see them get to the point where they love Christ and they're making God-honoring decisions and they're responsible for that and I'm there just as a, a help and a support. So as you think about those things, the fact that we are wanting to, um, to transition our kids ultimately from parental discipline to self-discipline under the Lord, and the fact that we are, are recognizing God gives us great authority and, and then increased influence over the time that our kids are in our home, that will mean that discipline at different life stages looks a little bit differently. And so when we think of those life stages with our kids as young children, infants, and to the, the toddlers, you know, infants, it just means we're beginning to, to say things like no to them. You know, when your child is, is not wanting their diaper changed, and they're throwing a fit, and they're kicking their little legs, and you grab those little legs, and you say, no, this is for your good, and I'm going to do this, you are exercising authority over them. As they get older, you may uh, eventually, as you say no, give them a little tap or a little light spank so that they're associating, I need to respect and respond to this authority. Toddlers, you're beginning to train them in obedience the first time you ask them to do something. Again, being careful that you're not asking them to do things that are beyond their capability, but you are beginning to see their sinful heart. When you say, do this, and they look at you and smile, and they do what they want, that is that foolishness on display. And that is the time to begin seeking to train and discipline them. So this is when you will likely begin spanking in a more formal sense for clear, direct disobedience. Again, recognizing the difference between childishness and foolishness, but seizing those opportunities when your child clearly disobeys to seek to train their heart. You say, that will take a lot of time. I'd say, yes. <laughs> yes, it will. But it is time worth spent. Uh, in the book, The Faithful Parent, says, often the parent must sacrifice time, energy, and personal desires to obey the Lord and discipline the little one while there is hope. I am so thankful for the faithfulness of my wife when our children were young to, to be consistently investing in disciplining our children. I obviously played a role in that, but she bore the brunt of that. And I cannot think of a better use of her time than investing in our children in that way, or for me, when, when I had opportunities to invest in that way. Again, there's a thousand other things screaming louder. And you can think, well, next time we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it. No, discipline your children while there's hope. Be willing to invest the time and energy to obey the Lord and discipline them. One, one issue that comes with toddlers is that um, I want us to think just briefly about is when they start to throw tantrums. You know, when, when you ask them to do something and, you know, they start to flip out about that, you know, maybe in, in ways that are, um, you know, throwing a, a fit on the floor, yelling and screaming, kicking and those kinds of things. How should we respond to those things? 
You know, is this just a communication problem or they just don't understand? You know, you should be careful to make sure you're communicating in a way they can understand. Should you just ignore them, let them cry it out? You know, you don't want to feed it by giving them attention sometimes or should you, um, should you discipline them? What does that look like? You know, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says this. It says, don't answer fools according to their stupidity or folly, otherwise you will become like them. Verse 5, though, says, answer fools according to their stupidity or folly, otherwise they will become wise in their own eyes. Now, if you read both of those, you're like, wait a minute. Did he miss a word this time again? Um, Like, don't answer a fool according to their folly, otherwise you'll just get drawn in. (laughs) Or, answer a fool according to their folly, otherwise they'll become wise in their own eyes. So, this this verse just gives a little bit of of perspective that sometimes you got to decide... Like, what is, what's the right response here when someone is being foolish? And so you may decide at some point with your child who's thrown a fit in the other room, they just want my attention, and I'm not going to engage in this in the same way that, um, you know, to feed that. Um, but you also have to say, I don't want them living this way and thinking that's an o- appropriate response, and so it's right that I would engage and I would discipline them in that way. And so it's, it's reasonable that those situations are ones in which we are directing our kids with how to respond. It's right that you say you need to stop and you need to talk in a respectful way with mommy at this point. And if they don't, then you have a reason and a right response of discipline for them. You're training them how to respond, how to handle those things. Um, as your kids get older, and we can talk more about that in a in a moment if that's helpful. As, as they become older, preschool, elementary children, we want to continue to expect first-time obedience. The training is going to, cont- and discipline will continue to deepen to a heart level. So not just what they did, but the attitude and response. You know, the tone of voice that they used in speaking to us, the, uh, the um, issues of their heart that are being manifested towards siblings, towards parents in other settings. Essentially, those, that conversation part of discipline is going to deepen and take more time as your kids get older because you are now able to address issues with them and they're able to understand and think about those things. As our kids get to be teenagers... Discipline, I think, at this stage often becomes more creative and focused on that particular child. You know, God is, is amazing in his wisdom as he disciplined his people. Um, you know, he didn't always do the same thing. He didn't always respond exactly the same way. But he was intentional to, to shape the discipline for the, the, the best way to, uh, to influence and impact them. You know, so that child who... Um, refuses to do schoolwork or who lies about it, who doesn't obey when told to do something or not do something, um, who continually argues uh, in those ways, there are lots of opportunities for continued training and discipline. Sometimes that discipline may be related to the uh, infraction, if you will, to what it was. So if a child is being disobedient and um, you know, doing something on their, or spend, distracted and spending time on their phone when they should be doing something else, and you are, you've said you need to put your phone down and do what, el- what other things you're doing, and 10 minutes later you walk by and they're back on their phone, it's right that the discipline is connected to the offense. And so, hey, I'm going to take your phone. 
and you're not going to have your phone for a while. You're trying to connect those things as you can. Sometimes this will relate to other chores or tasks that they may need to do when you can't connect it in those ways or when that's not as fruitful. Maybe the loss of finances or privileges, you know, as we've begun, had our kids older, sometimes we've sought to train them um, with the use of of money. So if you don't do something, you know, you're going to get to pay me to do it for you, just to help them begin thinking about the issues of life in those ways. Discipline will often become the, the consequences of their poor or sinful decisions at this point. You know, think about that child who didn't do the school project and was lazy, and maybe you'd reminded them time and time again, and they didn't do it. Well, what's the consequence in the discipline for their choice? Well, it may be standing up in front of their class and looking kind of foolish because they weren't well prepared for that project. And so the discipline and the training is not necessarily something you add in, it may be, but it's the fruit of the consequences of their decision. And too often as parents of teenagers, we want to insulate our kids from those things because we feel like they reflect on us. So if my kid goes to school unprepared for this project and they look kind of foolish, that reflects poorly on me. And so I want to come to their rescue and I want to insulate them from those consequences when the right response is to say, no, you're going to learn through this, hopefully. You're going to grow through this because of the consequences that you're experiencing. It's okay to be gracious and helpful, um, but we don't need to insulate our children from consequences, and we can trust that those are good things that God is bringing into their life in order to shape them in those ways. So our discipline needs to be shaped by the age and condition of your children. Um, We need to be thinking intentionally about that transition to self-discipline and continuing to try to influence them. Again, this is not simple, Parenting is not simple in the sense that we have to wrestle through what's the best way to handle things with our kids. It's one reason why God's uh, in most situations where we want to have two godly parents who are talking together about how should we handle this? What's the right response? It's why counsel from others can be helpful. Why talking to other godly parents who are at a similar stage, how are you handling this? Or parents who have gone before you. To think through how can we train and discipline our kids well in the various seasons of life. Well, the last principle that is vital for us, and then we'll have some time for some questions if there are any, is that your discipline must be shaped by the gospel. Your discipline must be shaped by the gospel. Discipline, biblical discipline, is vital to your children understanding the gospel. This is why... A child who gets their own way brings shame to his mother. It's because they continue to live in a manner that is selfish and self-centered and, and because they, they never come to a place of, of understanding and responding to the gospel. Again, discipline doesn't guarantee that your child will understand or respond to the gospel, but it is vital to helping them understand it. It gives an understanding of authority. Discipline is a chance for your kids to understand God is in charge, not me, which is central to understanding the gospel. It gives an understanding of sin and its consequences. Your kids come face to face with the fact that I do not meet God's standard. 
one biblical command, children obey your parents, and I can't do it. I fall short of that standard, and when I sin, there are consequences. Discipline gives an ideal context for talking with your children about the gospel. I love what Ted Ted Tripp wrote, the central focus of child rearing is to bring children to a sober assessment of themselves as sinners. The focal point of your discipline and correction must be your children seeing their utter inability to do the things that God requires unless they know the help and strength of God. Discipline leads to the cross of Christ where sinful people are forgiven. That's the goal of discipline. To help your kids see themselves as sinners in need of a Savior. I can't do this. I can't change. I I don't have the self-will and the self-control to deal with my sin. Only God can change my heart. And I am desperate for His help. I'm desperate for His forgiveness. Discipline is vital for your children understanding the gospel. It's also vital to your children experiencing the gospel. Discipline is an opportunity for them to experience grace. You see, grace doesn't deny that sin matters and must be dealt with. Oftentimes as parents we can think, well, grace just means we ignore sin and we sweep it under the rug. No, grace says you are loved and accepted in spite of your sin because of how another has dealt with that sin. Grace doesn't minimize sin. Grace covers sin. Grace is, is a response to sin that, that takes it itself and treats the other person as though they haven't. Grace is not also, isn't content to leave you in your sin, though. And so discipline is a picture of those things. One author put it this way, grace doesn't mean no discipline. Instead, it changes the way we discipline. We combine discipline with love and acceptance. We discipline our children and point to the forgiveness won at the cross. You see, when you confront your kid's sin, when you don't let them get away with disobedience, and you discipline them, but you do so in a way that is, is kind and gracious and acknowledging your own sin and directing them to the gospel and then you are restored to relationship with them and you love them anyway and you care for them and you are kind to them moving forward, you are picturing the, the gospel for them. You are giving them a demonstration of grace. You can be a sinner and still be accepted because God is a saving God. And discipline, as we've seen, is vital to your children embracing the gospel. What does Proverbs say? It says, if your child has a foolish heart, and they do, the rod of discipline is the means God will use to drive that far from him. If your child has a foolish heart, they will not embrace the gospel. If your child is, is living in their self-centeredness, submitting to themselves rather than to other authorities, they will not embrace the gospel. If we want our kids to respond to the gospel, we have to recognize the the vital role that discipline plays in that. Again, not a guarantee. 
Not something that if you think, all right, we'll just be faithful in this and then it'll all turn out well. Our kids will be believers and they'll love Jesus. That's not a guarantee, but it is the primary means, one of the primary means God has given you as a parent to shape them to that end. Now, if you haven't been doing this, if if you're like, ah, man, I wish... I wish we knew this before when our kids were younger. I wish I'd been more faithful in these things. Maybe I've known these things, but I haven't been actively engaged in these things. Let me just encourage you to repent. Don't don't just act like things have been fine, but repent. Ask the Lord's forgiveness. Ask for your kids' forgiveness. You know, if your kids are are old enough to understand that there's maybe going to be some things you change in how you parent them, then they are old enough for you to tell them about that and to express that to them and to say, I'm sorry that we have, we have not been as faithful as we should be and we're learning as we go as well and we want to be more consistent in training you in a godly way. Explain to your kids what they can expect and why. Let them know this is how, how we're going to change and what we, what we expect of you. We've trained you that it's okay for you to ignore us until we yell at you. And that's not okay. It's not okay for us to yell at you. It's not okay for you not to respond in a way that is, is immediate. And so we're going to change that. We're going to work together um, to, to expect you to respond initially. We're going to be patient and remind you of that for the next several days or the next week. You know, that, hey, this is, this is what we were talking about. You need to respond right away. This is what first-time obedience looks like. But then we're going to expect that and we're going to consistently respond in a godly way to that. We want to be faithful to discipline our children. We want to discipline them while while there's hope, starting when they are young, seeking to drive the foolishness out of their heart. And we want to do that faithfully with an appropriate response to their sin as they grow and, and get older, as we understand more of the condition of their heart, we want to do so in a way that drives them and directs them to the hope of the gospel, recognizing we do not discipline our kids because we are different than them categorically, because we're always right and they're wrong. No, we discipline them because we understand that our only hope is, is the transforming power of, of God's work through the gospel, and we want to direct them in that way. As you think about these things, are there specific questions that you have? We've got a few minutes left. If there are specific things as you think about these, um, would love to take some time. Somebody else probably has the same question you have and, uh, and talk about those. Also happy to start some of our next class with questions if there are things that come up in your discussions. But Any thoughts or questions, things to clarify from our lesson today? Yeah. Sure. But we agreed that if we tell our dogs that uh, we can't, you know, like have you know, a dog, you know, being messed up, maybe not doing our things right in school, you know, uh, trying to go out some of the weekends, hang out with your friends or whatever. If my wife, you know, tell her that she can't go, she don't need to come running to me. Right. Yeah. It's all right, you know. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think that's, that's definitely something that is, is important for parents to be on the same page with those things. And I think, you know, even if parents do see things differently, they should be humble enough, and, and that's why marriage matters for our parenting, but to, to respect the opinion of the other, ultimately to work through those things together and then seek to parent consistently. But it, it's so important that it's a we, not an I and a you saying this. And kids will test that, and they, they're smart. You know, you know your kids are, you know, they know who can, who can we ask and how can we, how can we uh, try to get what we want in the situation, and they'll pit mom against dad, and so we have to be very careful. I mean, practically, that, um, that is a challenge as we, as our kids get older, we, we've worked through just, you know, logistically, how do we try to facilitate that? It's like our kids would come to us and be like, oh, we're, I'm going to do this. You know, as, again, they're older, our kids are driving now, and it's like, you're, what? Like, I didn't know you were doing that. And they're like, oh, I, I talked to mom about it. Um, and it's like, really? You know, and, uh, you know, and so, and mom's like, maybe. I mean, I don't remember that conversation. So for us, it's like, you got to text mom and dad, and once you have an official yes from mom or dad, because we're, we're on the same team, then you get to add it to the family calendar, and um, that's how we know this has gone through that appropriate channel. And, and again, it's still, we still battle those things, but we're try, we, we try to figure out, have tried to figure out ways to facilitate that kind of, of respect for authority and also just help us be on the same page. Because I don't, I don't want to inadvertently undermine my wife's authority. If she did tell them yes, and, and then I get upset with them for doing something that she already told them, we're not upset, but if I'm saying, no, you can't do that, then we, we, we're not communicating well, those things. But yeah, I mean, as far as thinking through standards of what you expect for your kids, also very helpful to make sure that you're on the same page as parents. That's why clear disobedience is the, is the biblical standard for discipline. It's not all the other things that you may, um, you may be working to be on the same page on. Other questions? Yeah, no. Yeah. And we'll, um, we'll, we'll talk more about some of the issues with technology, phones, and some of those things are, are a big deal. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important and right that we are communicating the, yeah, I mean, God did this with his people. He would communicate, if you do this, this is the consequence that's going to come. So that's not threatening our kids. That's communicating it in a way that is, that is helpful. And, and that's what we should be doing as a parent. What, what I meant more by threatening is more when it's like uh, that manipulation of if I, can, if, I can, if I say something that's so bad to try to get you to do what I want you to do, then I've kind of used that in a manipulative way. So if I tell my daughter, you know, 
Um, if you don't do this, I'm going to, no, 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 no. And I really have no intent of ever doing that. It's a manipulation tactic as a parent to try to get them in, in, in doing that. Yep. Yep. And... and Yeah, intentionally for the good of the other person. And, and ultimately, that's where, you know, I, I love how God uses a diversity of consequences. And as parents, we have some of that freedom and, and, uh, as well. And, and that's where, you know, being intentional, though, to not discipline, not, not enforce consequences out of anger, but intentionally, this is what we think will be best for our children in, um, in that way. And again, if you, if you wonder, you know, Seems like this might be appropriate, um, given what's going on, but I'm not sure. You know, that's where seeking, seeking counsel, talking to others to say, hey, am I way off base in what I'm thinking here is helpful. Other questions? Yeah, Marcy. Sure. Yeah, and I think some of that, you know, obviously just you want to try to have as much wisdom and grace as you can. I think also focusing on it's okay to, even if your child made a mess because they were childish, it's right and reasonable for them to participate in the cleaning up of that mess. So you can train them in that way. So it's not that I'm going to discipline you for making the mess, but I am going to train you that when we make a mess, for whatever reason, we want to feel a weight of responsibility and stewardship to help clean up that mess. And so, and again, they may not be able, if there's, they, all that may be is you stand here and hand me a paper towel when I ask for one because you can't do it yourself and I'm not going to expect you to do that. But you're training them that, you know, the, the fruit of this is we're going to get to clean that up in those ways. So, I, I, again, I, I think, and, and a lot of parents, you just have to, you and your spouse can talk about your tendency I mean, most people in this room, you're either prone to not discipline your kids enough and to make excuses for them, or you are prone to be overly critical of your kids and maybe uh, more harsh and, and, and reactive in that way. You're probably one of those two. And so if you understand how you, are ten, how you tend to respond, if you're one who you know, tends to make excuses, well, you need to kind of course correct in that way. If you tend to you know, be more harsh with your kids, you need to recognize that. And again, hopefully, as a, that's why you know, talking things through as, a, uh, as a, a couple, obviously you don't always have that opportunity in the, in the heat of the moment. Um, and again, you know, with young, kid, young parents, I, I would just encourage as well, like, don't think if you miss an opportunity that you should have disciplined, like you've ruined your kids. That's not, that's not the tenor of how I think you should think in light of the scriptures. Discipline's important, but don't feel the weight of like, oh, if I missed, maybe I should discipline there, now there's going to be residual foolishness in their heart. No, just, just say, if, if our pattern is we are striving to be faithful in this way, and if occasionally we're gracious, especially when your kids are young and you're trying to figure out what they, what they can understand, just don't make excuses for them all the time. Like, oh, they just can't understand, they're tired. And, 
So we're never going to deal with anything in their heart in those ways. Last one more, maybe. Yes. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, he gets angry. Yeah, and, and I, would, I would just encourage you, you know, the command not to provoke your kids to anger doesn't mean every time your kids get angry, you did something wrong. So kids get angry because of their heart. They want something, and when they don't get it, they are likely to respond in anger. And you're going to get to shepherd them through that and to try to help them respond in that way. Um, so don't don't think just because my kid got angry, I provoked them to anger and I shouldn't do that again. But do be thoughtful in how, how might I have contributed to his anger. Um, yeah. It does. Yeah, and it's, it's a... It's, you know, in, in the moment, I think you're trying to, you, you still have the, um, the ability as a parent to, to direct, and you have a lot of authority. So, you know, if he's, if he's running away from you, you can grab him and, and you can keep him from running around or those kinds of things. And, and so you have to exercise your authority. I think you're also trying to, um, and, and it's reasonable that you discipline him. Ideally, you want to help him calm down before you are disciplining um, so that you can have that, that healthier interaction, which can take more time. Um, and I think you can also, um, as, as they're understanding more, you can have more discipline when you don't respond well initially to correction. Um, and so, like, we, we had, um, we've had, very, you know, five girls, different tendencies in how they would respond to discipline. One of them, you know, hated it. You know, until, I mean, all, and we kept thinking it's going to get better. Eventually she'll learn to receive correction. And it's like, no, nah, it was just a battle and it took more time. Um, but it's like, okay, because you respond that way, you would have gotten maybe two spankings for disobeying me, but instead you're going to get four spankings because not only did you disobey me initially, but you also refused to uh, respond and receive that correction, and you got uh, upset about that. And, and again, that doesn't mean the next time he'll respond perfectly. It just means you're continuing to shepherd that response to help him understand this is, this is not okay. And that's where the scriptures speak to all those things, and that's where you as a parent, you know, even the verses about receiving correction and discipline, like those become things you're talking all the time with them about. And, and, and even when they're young, knowing we're not going to solve all this right now, but we're wanting to be faithful in those ways. And, um, but yeah, good, good questions. If you have other questions, you can certainly come up and uh, happy to talk more. We can talk more um, in the coming weeks. But um, thanks again for being here. Let me pray for us and we'll, uh, we'll let, let folks get up to the service. Lord, we pray that you would give us grace to discipline well. Thank you for your word, for the wisdom that it gives. Help us to be clear in uh, our own hearts what you have called us to as parents and uh, to, to be humble, to seek your wisdom, and uh, thank you for our kids. We want to be uh, faithful instruments in your hands in their lives. We love you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.